You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. Hi, and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Amelia Miranda-Williams, Stylus's U.S. editor. Today, we are going to be talking about sexual wellness. It's become a booming industry, and it's one that's expected to be valued at $40.5 billion by 2025. The category might be overflowing with new products, but for brands looking to engage in conversations on sex, it can be tricky to get started. To help us understand how brands are shifting sex from a taboo to a self-care essential, I have with me Sam Friedman, co-founder and CEO of Curate Beauty. Curate Beauty is a wholesale marketplace platform specializing in indie beauty, well-being, and lifestyle brands. Also joining me is Lisa Payne, Senior Editor of Beauty at Stylus. Welcome to you both. So let's start by hearing more about you, Sam. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what you do at Curate Beauty? Sure. So I've been in beauty for about 12 years now. Um, Before I started Curate Beauty, I was a beauty journalist. I was beauty editor at Grazia. And that was the last place I was posted. And and I, yeah, had had a big passion for working with the independent brands. It was those guys that really stood out for me and and had incredible stories and often the founders were so involved in in what they had created because it had had come from a problem that they had found or that they found that there was something missing in the market um so i started kind of what curate beauty is offline and and started working with retailers matching them with brands that they could then retail alongside their products and I kind of found how I find out how long-winded and time-consuming the whole wholesale process was. So I wanted to change that and um, created Curate Beauty last year in February 2020. Um, so a really easy platform that can be used by all retailers looking to find kind of the very best in independent beauty. Wow, that's that's quite a time to start a business, I have to yeah. say, February 2020. So obviously there's you know a huge difference in how smaller brands and bigger brands can cater to trends. And so I'm curious, you know, how have you seen those responses differ? It's been incredible. As you said, kind of the pandemic has changed so many businesses. And with us just launching in February and then COVID sort of coming in March, we've seen our independent brands kind of take a whole 360 approach and it's been amazing they were creating hand sanitizers before the big brands were they were donating products to the nhs creating care packages for them so it has been an amazing kind of 12 months in independent beauty brands kind of lifespan to really see how they can shine and how can how nimble they can be with their businesses and i think that that is definitely something that the bigger legacy brands are taking inspiration from now have you seen any examples of how that's happened for legacy brands beyond just hand sanitizer? I think that the, the the whole kind of shopping small and shopping local and shopping independent has been a huge, big focus. And I think that that's something that the legacy brands are trying to achieve and maybe kind of getting a bit more personal and trying to relate more with their with their customers and it's a lot harder, obviously, as a big brand, because you've got a much uh, wider audience and, and a lot of more loopholes to, to kind of jump through. 
On the topic of getting personal, I mean, at Stylist, we've argued that sex has really become an increasingly potent topic for brands to engage with. And this is especially something that we've noticed from the smaller independent brands. I'm curious, you know, have you seen something along these lines and what form has it taken? Who isn't interacting with this subject? So we've, it's been a really interesting subject for us. Firstly, we launched a beauty platform, but I always wanted to go into the kind of wellness space, something that people were interested in and that it was growing market. And we have seen the most amazing innovation. So we've got incredible brands that not only are reinventing kind of sex toys and making them less of a taboo and much more of a must-have accessory at home, but also candle brands kind of looking into scents that make you feel more intimate at home and tinctures and tonics that can kind of get you in the mood for sex. So I think it's been a really interesting subject and a really interesting one for us to view both from the retailer side and the brand. So from the retailer side, there are now many more kind of marketplaces designed just for sexual wellness and really kind of empowering females. A lot of them only work with female founded brands which I think is really empowering and exciting but it's definitely a, a big a big step away from where we were with sexual wellness and sex toys at least I mean five or ten years ago now. Yeah I mean we've also seen so many headlines about how the interest in sex toys has boomed during the pandemic and I'm curious Lisa you know how have you seen consumers attitudes to sex change during the course of these past 12 months? Well, we definitely think that it's been something that's been democratised a little bit or, or slowly has been for a while, but it really feels like the pandemic has accelerated it or catalyzed that in a, in a big way. I mean, there's lots of different reasons as to why, but, you know, there's lots of statistics to show that people were using lockdown as an opportunity to kind of be experimental and explore different sort of sexual fantasies and and products and, and positions. But then there was also the, the side of... of of consumers that really felt that sexual pleasure was inherently associated with self-care. And so there's that that thing that we've seen from beauty and, and wellness brands a lot in the last year, kind of really sort of honing in on, on the idea of consumers taking care of themselves at home with, with products and routines and things. And so sex is just kind of naturally uh, a part of that. But it's also a boredom alleviator you know we we have a bit more time at home maybe things are getting a little bit fusty in the bedroom you kind of want to spice things up try different products try different toys there's the, there's a whole you know ream of reasons and anxiety is another another big thing lots of um, consumer statistics suggest that they feel like masturbating or pleasure and orgasms is a really good stress reliever as well so lots of different consumer touch points kind of pointing to this perfect sexual storm that we're in at the moment. Yeah, that boredom certainly makes sense. And lots of the you know sexual wellness brands who have profiled on stylists, and even that you know we've mentioned in this conversation today, this focus on independent, founder-led, predominantly female-led brands. And so I'm curious, you know, why do you think these smaller brands are dominating the sector, and is there space for larger brands to get involved? I would add that I think that if you're a if you're a female buying a, a sex toy for yourself and it has been made by a man, how will they know how it works? It's kind of that's the kind of main thing that our female founders of these um, sexual wellness products have said to us is that it, is there a condom brand that is made by females because females 
should know what like should be involved in that process too if they're sex toys how how will a man know exactly how it works if they've never tried it so I think that kind of the make feeling a lot more kind of associated with the female founder and if they're you they're created it for you then I think that that has a huge selling point and shouldn't go amiss at all It's also this concept of stories that people are telling, you know, it's probably more interesting to hear a story from a female founder who was frustrated by all the vibrators that she had that she didn't like. And so Lisa, you're obviously in the weeds of product research here, beyond just vibrators, I should clarify with that statement. What trends do you think are really interesting in the sex and wellness space? So Sam kind of mentioned them already, but there's a lot of really lovely experimentation that I think is 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 great in sort of tinctures and balms and salves and sort of personal care, body care products that are really kind of looking at amazing ingredients, adaptogens, CBD, you know, lovely organic natural ingredients that can help with stimulation, arousal, connectivity. You mentioned candle brands and and I, I think that aromatherapeutic trends are really coming up and, you know, backed by a lot of lovely science uh, to suggest that there's certain uh, scent combinations that can trigger this or stimulate the areas in the brain that are associated with sensory reward and pleasure. And that's very much based on frankincense, ylang ylang and patchouli. And we've seen that, you know, brands are sort of really coming together and being clever with, you know, pillow mists or candles that you can pour the melted wax onto your self or your lover's body and 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 explore that that sort of from a more sensuous point and I think it's that that's sort of taking it away from this concept of something that's like seedy or inherently like shameful and it's actually like hey let's acknowledge that connectivity is important let's acknowledge that it is a part of self-care and and that makes it part of the wider well-being conversation I said CBD, and I think CBD is a really, really uh, special ingredient for this type of product, especially when you talk about pain relief, because again, pain relief isn't really a topic that has been discussed very much in the sexual space, but there is a big problem for a lot of people, and and CBD is coming in to kind of save the day. But you know, to to to, to look at sex toys as well, we're also seeing how they're they're becoming these ergonomic, beautiful things that you kind of think, is this a sex toy or is it not? I'm I'm not sure. You know, I wouldn't mind putting it on my bedside table because it doesn't instantly scream sex toy. And they're catering to women's needs in different ways. There's products that are now catering to, to specific male needs, as well as gender fluid consumers who never felt like sex toys were appropriate for their needs. So I think it's there's so many different product categories that are seeing great innovation. What do you think has been the catalyst for this untabooing of sex, so to speak? What made everyone start to look at these products and want to invent something that is beautiful and can be put on a bedside table and not shameful at all? Well, I think I think packaging has a massive part to do with it. You know, products were always either very clinical because they were something that, you know, you bought in a drugstore and you kind of felt like you wanted to hide or they were very much about sort of promoting the illicit nature of, of sex. And I think both of those things were quite shameful for people to buy and to display. I mean, they wouldn't want to display those things. Whereas now it feels like if you're getting, you know, an arousal oil, for example, and it comes in really beautiful minimalist packaging or something that is inherently cool or Instagrammable, then people aren't going to be ashamed to hide it. And I think that that, that also becomes a great gifting opportunity, you know, fun things for for girlfriends to kind of give each other and yeah I mean I think 
it's the idea of products that have got a lot of science behind them. They've had a lot of testing. They've got a great story. They've got great packaging or ergonomic design. And all of those types of things means that these types of products are, are A, wanted by consumers, but also B, wanting, wanted by retailers to sort of showcase as, as wider lifestyle products. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, Nordstrom has a, has a self-love pop-up with sex toys and sex products. And, and it's, they're inherently beautiful objects and you want to buy them. You want to display them. You want to, to see them as a wider lifestyle endeavor. Have you noticed any other trends there, Sam, that you'd want to add? I think the CBD one is really interesting, but also kind of as well in the kind of sexual wellness space of it moving into more period products and us seeing kind of tinctures to help kind of with period pains and CBD rubs to help with cramps in CBD infused tampons. I think it's a really, really interesting collaboration. And I think that it works really, really well. And, and I think, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with Lisa. It's like the, it was this untapped market of kind of seedy looking and kind of the, the products just needed desperately a makeover. And this whole category has sort of now come together with incredible sustainability at the forefront in some of the brand's ethoses. And, and the packaging is just so eye-catching, completely different to what we are imagining and brought up with. And as we kind of the next generation come in, I think that it's so important that sustainability, great looking brand, a great story, the ingredients, the whole thing comes together to make something more appealing than perhaps generations before. So definitely, yeah, definitely kind of untapped, kind of exploded. I think it's also interesting to see how this is all kind of coming together to really advocate that taking care of yourself, whether it's intimate health, for women or men or or whether it's about pleasure and sort of self-care it's it's all kind of really pushing the concept of sex as, as a well-being exploit and actually the brands are really trying to say it's cool to to think like this and it's cool to take care of yourself and it's cool to really sort of dig deep and and, and see what makes you happy and and what kind of products you would need to take care of yourself and I think that that's that's a really exciting story. So as, you know, this category accelerates, we're curious, Sam, if you had a big beauty or wellness conglomerate that you were talking to, what would your advice be for them entering into this space, especially one that is so driven by these smaller, really passionate founder-led stories? I think I would say to them, utilize their audience. And if they've got big uh, followings already of already an incredible customer base to tap into that and ask them what they want and what they expect to see and really utilize that I think that's the the one thing that these small indie brands don't have they're small they're starting up they're gaining their followers and their customers but if they can tap into their already their audience and really kind of use them as a sounding board I think that's the most exciting thing about social media now as a brand you can literally get a response from your customers and seconds so that would be my kind of top tip I think excellent and so you know we finish out each episode with a fire round of three quick questions for you Sam and first one is if you had a million pounds where would you invest it right now oh if I had a million pounds I think I'd probably invest it definitely in the sexual wellness space but more into kind of self-care and wellness which as we're kind of saying is that 
big trend, but kind of bringing it all together. I think this year has shown us so many different things in, in trends and wellness and self-care has been a huge, huge topic and something that I don't think is going to go away anytime soon. I think as we resort back to normal life, we will still be kind of striving and always be remembering that kind of self-care attitude that we had during lockdown. And yeah, I think I think it's just bringing it all together is, a, is an interesting one. Well, I think that that would be incredibly lucrative for you because there was actually an 850% um, spike in searches for the term sexual wellness on Cult Beauty, which is a British retailer in March 2020. So, you know, it's it's definitely sparking interest in consumers. That is a very impressive spike. And the next question is, what is a consumer problem or challenge that you don't think has been successfully solved yet? I think the I think I think that the this is really random, but I think that the dental the dental market is still something that is needing a lot of TLC. And I actually just saw a new brand this this month that is kind of clean, natural charcoal toothpaste that comes in a glass pump uh, bottle. And for me, I think that was really exciting. And I think it's it's kind of going to be the next one that we all start to take a look at. But yeah, the, the kind of trends coming out of the dental market is very interesting. To say on that note, here in New York, there's like a new drop-in dental bar space called Dental Bar. And they have toothpaste flavors of the month, which I just think is the strangest and kind of coolest <laughs> thing. And I'm wondering how many different flavors they have. And so the last question is, which individuals or brands do you look for for inspiration in your work? So for us to find incredible brands, they have to have a whole 360 approach to it. It isn't just about what the packaging looks like for us. It's the story. It's how they find their ingredients, the sustainability factor. Have they thought about their carbon footprint, the language they're talking to their customers on their website, on Instagram? There are some incredible new launches, a few that kind of stand out to me. There's a brand called The Muses London. It's a candle brand, really incredible. And and then the toothpaste brand that kind of stood out to me was called Noise. And yeah, I think that they are very, very interesting ones to watch. Excellent. Well, I think that is all we have time for today. I would like to thank my guests, Sam Friedman and Lisa Payne. And thank you all for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.